Ho, 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 and welcome to a festive edition of Beyond the INC. Now, normally at this point, you'd hear Andrew's voice possibly saying something like the podcast that makes middle-aged women jealous or something similar. But unfortunately, ladies and gentlemen, he's ill, so you've just got me instead. But rather than just talk about Keen on my own for 20 minutes, I thought this would be a good opportunity to dig out something great from the archives. And when I say the archives, I actually mean last week. So, here is a brand new, never-before-heard, exclusive chat with Mr. Timothy Rice Oxley. We thought we'd have a chat about the lyrics from the new album, so grab a glass of mulled wine, sit back, and enjoy. We we have had emails like over, God, how long have we been doing this? Eight months now, I think. Um, and we keep saying that whenever we've got really, really interesting stuff, we'll save it until we can do it justice. So that I don't know this. Um, I think he's a, he's American, isn't he? I think so. Yeah. Um, and he, he sent us some really, really great ideas, and we thought we'd put them to you whenever we had the chance. Um, so what I'll do is I'll, I'll read the I'll read each point from his email in turn, and you can answer them, and then we'll move on. Um, what? Tell what, why don't you read them, Chris? I've been talking an awful lot. First, I feel like a lot of Perfect Symmetry, the album, is overdone, overproduced. Great. Is that a question? <laughs> a great example of this, besides the French bit in Black Burning Heart, is the hand clapping that's in again and again. I feel like the song would have been better if they weren't in it at all. <laughs> that's, that's more of a statement than a question, isn't it? Um, is this going to be a long list of all the things he doesn't like about Keane? <laughs> Um, I, I think that's actually very close to it, but they're all they're all interesting points to raise. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. Um, yeah, I, I disagree. <laughs> obviously, um, I, I I mean I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's overproduced. It, it's a pretty chaotic record generally, mm. um, and I think uh, you know what you're hearing. Is, is basically the sound of us having fun and, and the sound of a lot of um, energy in the studio. And I think, um, you know, I, fun, I think the hand claps is actually a good example of that. I mean, it seems strange for um, for me or, or indeed Caleb to focus on <laughs> something as small as hand claps. But I think it, uh, you know, those those little things for me are... Uh, they they have a kind of human energy to them, which um, which I personally love. Okay, so the next point he makes is, um, what do you think of the part of Black Burning Heart where Tom says, "Cut the skin, let me in, the molecules of us bleeding into one again." I think this is just going a bit dark. Is that a self harm lyric, Tim? <laughs> uh, no, you know it's a. Um, I guess it's about you know it's a, it's a metaphor isn't it I I I've, I suspect we'll see how this develops but I suspect that Caleb may be one of those people who take things a little bit too literally um <laughs> you know it, I guess you know it's really just talking about uh you know a very powerful friendship or bond you know as is often uh, represented through the medium of uh the uh, you know the the the, the blood brothers thing and yeah. the cutting of the hands and so on. 
Have you and Tom ever done anything like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, 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 we're far too... Um, you're not even milk brothers. <laughs> what, are, what are milk brothers? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that sounds very devious to me. Do you want to read the next point? <laughs> Both of you claim to really like Love is the End, and I would too, if not for the verse, when I was drowning in that holy water, all I could think of was you. Maybe I'm just being a big baby here, but I can't help but think of Tom, or Tim since he wrote it, committing suicide every time I hear it. That, coupled with the song being called Love is the End, makes it an extremely depressing song. <laughs> this guy's hilarious. Um, <laughs> there's, there's an awful lot... Um, I can't remember the beginning of the question now, sorry. Um, thematically, there's an awful lot of drowning on the record. Mm. Um, an awful lot of... of well, a lot of water. Um, obviously, Freud would say that water, isn't water uh, sexual, according to... Well, everything's sexual, according to Freud. Um, but, I mean, why do you think that is? Are you scared of drowning? Um, okay. as, as a form of death compared to any other, I mean... <laughs> everyone's scared of drowning. Um, I, I occasionally have nightmares about drowning. I, I think... Um, I don't really know. I, I think, you know, you could say the same about Under the Iron Sea as an image, really. I think... Um, there's a sense of I often have a sense of being out of control or um not being uh able to do everything I want to do I suppose um and you know I I don't know I'm attempting a bit of extremely amateurish uh, psycho self analysis there but um I I suspect it may have something to do with that but uh yeah I mean, do you know what? I think love is the end is a pretty depressing song to be quite honest I think it's um you know, it's a uh, like many of the songs on the album. It, it definitely has a hope of um, redemption and, and healing to it. Um, but I think it, uh, you know, it's definitely a song about the, the passing of something beautiful. Um, but really, you know, I mean, uh, for me, the one thing that makes this album very different from the first two is that the, a lot of the lyrics are very kind of train of thoughty, and they're not. They're not quite as, um, I don't, you know, you can't take them as literally as you would take the lyrics on Hopes and Fears, for example. They just don't, you know, you can't read them like a a story that makes sense from beginning to end. Yeah, it's quite interesting, actually, because uh, Andrew and I were talking the other day about the, your choice of covering Disco 2000, whose, you know, which lyrics are very, very kind of literal with, yeah. you know, all, all the, you know, Martin and, and Deborah and all these people. Mm. And what you're saying about hopes and fears, um, you know, you had the allusions to Mantis Shaw and London Town and, you know, walking to the tube and things like that. So, um, I, I guess... I can't remember what the question is now. <laughs> but you've you've made a, a conscious effort to move away from that, and yet you do a cover of Disco 2000. Well, I, you know, I think um, I view everything we do as a, an opportunity to learn, and, and cover versions especially. I, I think we've said a few times in interviews, you know, between the three of us, that doing the cover of Under Pressure last year, or was it last year? Whenever it was, was, was a real... Um, I don't know, we learnt a lot from doing that. Um, you know, a surprising amount, really, considering, you know, it's basically just a, a, a cover version of a, of a song. And um, but and I think the same is true with something like Disco 2000. I feel like I've learnt a few things from from playing that song and just kind of listening to it 
rather than just listening to it when you put the album on and thinking, oh, it's another great pulp song, you, you start to listen to the drum beat and the bass line and what the hi hat's doing and the structure of the song and and the, you know and the lyrics as well. So uh, yeah, I, I think um, for me, there's a certain um, you know, well, every time we're given the opportunity to do a cover version we find ourselves you're always faced with this thing where you can say what should we do you know a Nick Drake song or you know another Elton John song or something that is basically a pretty obvious choice for Keen to do you know what's got lots of piano in and lots of nice vocals and really that holds no challenges for us at all because you know we can we can do a sort of slightly worse version of that in our own music um and uh, you know but doing something like Disco 2000 it's like a thumping disco song with some very uh, I don't know um, what's the word Uh, very kind of prosaic lyrics I suppose very literal and storytelling lyrics you know it's it's something different from what I would do Um, you know it just gives you an opportunity to learn something new it's funny because if if I may make a judgment of you while you're sat right here, <laughs> I'd say that when when you speak, you, you're quite prosaic in the way that you speak, and yet it's not the way that you write lyrics. I mean, are you are you? Is this something you're aware of? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, you know. I wish I could be more. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. It's funny when you when you listen to someone like Bono being interviewed. You know, every everything he says is like. You know, it's like a piece of poetry or something. You know, it's like a mysterious kind of haiku or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, and you know, I just my brain just doesn't work that way when I'm talking or or whatever. But when I when it comes to writing songs, I feel that um, songwriting enables me to access something that is much more um, poetic. I hope and and you know, certainly much more profound for me. And um, I don't know, much more. Um, emotionally articulate and um, you know I, I think that's a, really a, as good a reason as any to, to get into songwriting in the first place great answer <laughs> <laughs> stunned silence there. <laughs> there's I don't know there's some, some some stuff that really sort of sticks out from songs there's a, a part of better than this it's the the bit that talks about um uh someone else using your name and um not being the you know that person um and it it struck me at the time at the time when i heard it i was reading um glamorama by Betty Stanellis and it was the without wanting to spoil the novel for people there there is an element of um the main character of that novel who is in places where he doesn't remember being and he's not the person that he sees is are the, are the two connected at all? Is is that a theme that you drew from that? Or um, I got to admit, I haven't actually read Glamorama. Slightly shamefully, we can cut all this. Then, <laughs> but I don't know where that um, I don't know where that came from. I think. Do you know? What? It's funny. I feel like I got that idea from somewhere specific, but I can't remember where it was. Um, How very convenient. Yeah, isn't it? Um, but I, I think I like that idea of oh what is it I, I wish I could remember uh, it's terrible isn't it I'm going to remember as soon as I leave but I, li- I love that idea of you know suddenly 
um, you know, being being on TV or or something, or being in all these pictures, and someone else seeing, you know, re- I suppose reading something about yourself and seeing this person being presented as being you, and then you look at it and you think, well, you know, that's not me at all. Um, and I don't really know quite what that means, apart from the fact that I think it's, you know, the whole song is a. I guess is about the incredible sort of shallowness of that that um, life to which so many people seem to aspire these days. It's a, a theme that runs throughout the album, between what's real and what isn't, mm. what is the real you and what is you that's presented. And is this something that really troubles the band? And I, I guess by the band, I really mean you and, and to a greater extent, Tom, I guess. Mm, yeah. Um, I I don't know. I, I think it is in a way because in that we're not, you know, we've, 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 just, we've never been comfortable with completely um, immersing ourselves in that world of celebrity. And, it, you know, it's weird when you see people who do basically inhabit that world completely, um, <clears throat> especially in... But in you know, I guess LA is famous for that. But you know, you do encounter people who seem to just totally have forgotten that you know what the real world is like. Uh, and we, you know, we're not like that at all. We're, you know, we're not sort of super famous for a start. But you know, we're very, um, I think, very aware of just trying to be. Uh, well, <laughs> obviously, you have to have, have hit a pretty high level of fame to. To be even in this this hot seat, but um, yeah, you know, it's 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 a. I think we're aware of of being. I I, I certainly have this feeling that people don't really have any idea what we're actually like at all. You know, you sort of read these things sometimes, in, and Tom gets it. You know, much worse than than me or Richard. But you know, I'll read things about Tom that are just totally and utterly inaccurate you know and things about him being sort of fat or being addicted to port or you know any number of sort of stupid things so tom tom has no addiction to port ever (laughs) who's who's ever been addicted to port i don't you know anyway i don't know certainly not him but um you know it is a it's a funny it's a funny business how basically anyone you know the nature of the media is that basically you can write whatever you want and it suddenly becomes true um you know we we're, we're often sort of so there are lots of little phrases that have stuck in our heads over the years and one of one of our favorites is a review of us that talked about keen keen the mancunian songsmith uh, <laughs> which i don't know what it means <laughs> it implies that, that you know there's only one that that keen is a solo artist from manchester um and you know Tim Rice Chapin going off scrumping for apples or whatever and just see sort of wild inaccuracies they're they're kind of funny really but um, you do realise that people sort of probably build up an impression of you that is is totally and utterly untrue you feel resentful about that I don't really care but most of the time it's funny but I suppose occasionally uh, I think I, you know, I don't know. I don't know really. I don't think we're hugely bothered, but very occasionally, I think you get frustrated with it because, um, you know, 
it's not it's not so being judged all the time um you know for good or for bad is is not something that we particularly relish how um how do you think that um perfect symmetry was re- um reviewed and received generally then are you are you happy with the way that it was received yeah very much so i mean we've as as you know we've never been a particularly um you know, we've never been media darlings or whatever, you know, well, certainly not since we, um, you know, before we released Hopes and Fears, really, I guess. Um, I think when we were a fierce panda band, we were sort of, you know, a relatively cool band to, to name drop for, for about 10 days or something. But, um, you know, it, it's it was nice to, um, in a way, to suddenly be have you know to have a glimpse into that world where suddenly people are sort of saying um very positive things about your album but uh you know it's having been on the other end of it as well we're aware that it's all nonsense really what does that man say at the end of the lovers are losing uh that's me um someone asked me that the other day I'm trying to remember what the answer was. It's um, it's uh, it was me saying. Oh, Tom came in, and I was I must have been doing backing vocals or something. And I said, oh no, I was doing hand claps. I'm a lovers losing. It's all coming back. And um, I said I was just saying we should do some under pressure style finger clicks on this one. And. Uh, the little clip you hear is actually me saying under pressure style but slowed down using an even tied ultra harmonizer <laughs> why did you do that i don't know i think um jake our engineer did it actually um on purpose or by accident yeah, by accident. I, do you know by what, I accident really don't it know. got left in and went all the way through mastering <laughs> and just accidentally got onto the record. Well, it was one of those things where, you know, it might maybe the vocal was going through the ultra harmonizer sort of by mistake or because it was rooted wrongly and, and you know, and we ended up keeping it because it sounded cool. I mean, you know, I guess it's almost a cliche now, but uh, it is it is true that often the accidents are the are the best sounding things. There was some talking at the end of uh, the INC as well, wasn't there? So is this going to be a running theme from now on at the end of end of tracks, hidden messages? Because people have been playing them backwards and slowing them down and playing them at different frequencies. And I heard I heard about the again and again one. Someone had played it. A friend sent me a link to something on YouTube of someone playing again and again backwards. And I can't remember. What it, it says like you you smell of shit or something like that. I can't remember what yes. it was. <laughs> Not, Which is intentional, obviously. You're not tempted to throw in more of these sort of secret messages because they're great. For, well, for people like us, it's brilliant. Really? <laughs> well, we, we could spin a whole we spin a whole podcast out of that. <laughs> uh, no, we must, we must. We should get into more secret messages. Um, you don't see me. Um. Can you tell me a little bit? Tell me a little bit about what what it's about, because I have my own theory. But after I've just been burned with that better than this thing, I'm just going to let you talk. <laughs> well, you don't see me in a way is quite a simple song. It's probably the most transparent song on the album. Um, well, is that true? I, I I think it. 
you know, it just comes. I I always have been one of those people who feels. I don't know. I guess I have a, a sort of paranoia about always being on the outside of things and um, not. Uh, you know, I don't know. I guess wanting. I, you know, I guess part of me wants to belong to something. Um, you know, when you're, I always imagine myself being in, in, you know, Soho, New York, or something. You know, and all these sort of wondrously cool people sort of flitting from party to party and and uh you know trendy bar to trendy bar and i you know i I don't think any of us feel hugely um comfortable doing that i certainly don't um but at the same time i I quite enjoy it but i always um you know I, i never feel particularly part of that world and i think that um you know i think that comes out in a in a, a love song essentially and, and you don't see me and I um, you know it's it's a pretty it's a simple sentiment but I I guess the overall message is you, you know I guess it's directed at someone who's kind of vacuously obsessed with uh, with the kind of glamour and glitter of uh, you know the some sort of social world <laughs> to which I, you know, I've never belonged, but probably secretly want to. It's funny because that was absolutely nothing like what. I was <laughs> what was your interpretation? Well, probably much better. Well, the, the way that's it. Um, do you know um, a song by the Manic Street Preachers called uh, "You Stole the Sun from My Heart"? Yes. Um, which is about about playing live, right? And the, if you take "You Don't See Me" as literally as say um, some people might. Um, the light lines, you know, it, it seems to me as though it's the person standing on the left of the stage, behind a behind a stack of keyboards, and their <laughs> their voice while everyone looks at the front man and watches him perform. Um, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it c- couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> no, I like that idea. That's, that's nice, but um, no, no, it's a, it's a it's a more kind of romantic song than that, I guess. It actually, some some of the lyrics in that song are, uh, are my favourites. Hmm. That's probably the the best vocal that I think Tom does on on the album. I'd say nice, particularly the way that it builds towards the end is is brilliant. Hmm. I mean, you just mentioned about the song being uh, about someone in particular. Is that is that a very specific person? I mean, because you've talked about um, the Frog Prince being about Johnny Borrell. So, is that something you kind of do uh, a lot of your songs about very specific people? Um, I don't think you don't see me as. I don't really know where that song came from, to be honest. Um, just sort of the, the whole group of socialites that you see in London Light every night. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels very. Um, I feel that I wrote it from a very passionate and personal place, but I can't really identify who, who the you know the protagonist of the song is. If you are, it's um, it's it's weird. I guess it's you know maybe just some sort of idealised figure of uh, some sort of gorgeous woman swanning around town. Well, that's about it, really. We'll be back at Christmas with a very special festive edition of the show, featuring the final part of our night with Tim Rice-Oxley. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes and you won't miss out. 
don't forget you can also email us at mailbox at beyondtheanc.com. If you've got anything you'd like us to talk about, do just drop us a mail. And check out our beyondtheanc.com website for loads more. We'll see you next week for Christmas. <laughs>